Lillian Vasquez, and this is Inland Edition on KVCR. Our guest is Dr. Daniel O'Neill, orthopedic surgeon, sports psychologist, and author of Survival of the Fit, How Physical Education Ensures Academic Achievement and a Healthy Life. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Lillian. So our discussion today is childhood obesity. One of your passions is to reduce the rate of childhood obesity. Talk to me a little bit about it in general, and then we'll dive a little deeper. Yeah, this is kind of a, the best-kept secret here in America in terms of health. We have had this obesity crisis that has been crawling up on us for the past, really, 50 years. And everybody's looking around like this happened today, but this happened, this has been happening, and it is affecting every aspect of our child's lives. Uh, from their health, clearly, uh, these children have diabetes and high blood pressure and all these things we used to call adult diseases, but they also have higher levels of anxiety and depression that are linked to this, and they also are not doing well academically, and academics in school are linked to health and obesity. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to guess, no doubt, the pandemic would have played a role regarding childhood obesity in that they probably weren't moving a lot there either. Tell me a little bit about the effect maybe the pandemic might have had. Right. As if things weren't bad enough. I started writing this book well before the pandemic. But yeah, the pandemic then put this huge punctuation uh, mark on everything about kids' inactivity, about their obesity, about their poor eating habits, about their screen time. The schools obviously had to teach the kids somehow, so what do they have them do? Well, they have them get on the computer. But that's like, you know, putting a drug addict, you know, into Amsterdam and letting them run wild. It's just the (laughs) worst possible thing that we could have done to our kids because now they're drug pushers, you know, i.e. the people that are selling them two-dimensional entertainment, social media, and bad food have more, even more access to them as they have those computers open all day uh, during the pandemic for schoolwork. So you mentioned it in your first answer. You talked about there's kind of a ripple effect, right? So other things can be affected. Maybe it's academics or grades or school behavior issues. Talk to me a little bit about that and what you see transpire. Well, these children are not fit enough to learn. So as I say, every time I get a chance, there is no STEM without fitness. And what happened was in 2002, we realized, you know, the kids are not doing well academically. How do we improve their academics? Well, we want to get those English and math scores up so they start competing, particularly with math with children around the world. Let's put more time into math and let's put more time into English languages. So what happened? We took that time away from physical education. And then five years later, the iPhone came out. And again, it's just those those ripples that you're talking about. The one bad thing after another, after another. What happened when we took time away from PE and we gave it to mathematics and English? Nothing. Those scores didn't change significantly because the children are not fit enough to learn. They're not fit enough to learn science. The next Steve Jobs is not going to be born, or he's going to be born, but he's not going to grow because he's not going to have the ability to learn. You know, the the next Aretha Franklin, the next any brilliant person is not going to have that ability because they just won't have the fitness. All right. That's making a pretty big statement. So tell me what the fitness is going to do and how it works. 
So the fitness is tied to everything. So first of all, the fitness is clearly tied to your health. So we know that these children, and, and there was just a study that came out a few weeks ago, and again, data that we knew was coming down the road. Uh, the levels of diabetes and prediabetes are you know, exploding, and they got much worse during the pandemic. So we know that these children are sick with diabetes. When I was a child, our parents were afraid that we were going to take on their habit of cigarettes. But if we did, we would get sick in our 50s and 60s. These children with the obesity are sick now. They have adult diseases now. And what happens is, is that that affects everything about their lives. So the depression and the anxiety that we talk about, that's all related to just general fitness. It's related to the fact that these children are addicted to these horrible two-dimensional screens and to, to these ultra-processed foods. And, it, and that health affects everything. It affects their psychological health. It affects, obviously, their physical health. And it affects their academics. It's, it's very clear. And I just got a, a, an email from someone that uh, got a hold of my book, uh, a gym teacher in another state. And he says, this is not news. He says, the fit kids are also doing well academically. But it's amazing that not every classroom teacher and not every administrator and principal understands that. But we've had this data for years and years and years. It's not a secret. All right. Let's talk about PE classes, physical education. When I was young and PE was my favorite subject because you got to go outside, play, do things, whether it's organized sports or whatever. Is PE enough now that school is is opened again and, and students are having their their 50 minutes or 40 minutes of PE? Well, the other uh, horrible secret in this country is the kids are not getting their 45 minutes of PE. They're getting it once a week if they're lucky. Uh, you know, some schools, it might be three times a week. The vast majority are getting once a week, and they're not even getting it every semester. They might have PE this semester, and then they don't have PE, you know, this autumn. So it's, it's just absolutely extraordinary how little PE they're getting. The other key word that you just mentioned is outside. And that is what the kids are not getting. Our children are not getting outside to play the way we did as kids. And that's so important. You know, I make a big deal about this addiction thing uh, uh, because they truly are addicted to their phones, to their screens. But they're born being addicted to Mother Nature. And it's what I call their physical identity. No two-year-old wants to sit in front of a screen. Every two-year-old wants to run around and grab dogs and, and grab dirt and, and, and splash around in a pool. That's what we're born knowing how to do that's in our primitive brain, that's our hard wiring. We're addicted to Mother Nature. But through all these things that happen as the kids grow up and they get put in front of these screens and they get given this bad food, and they're told to sit still and blah, 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 that's when they lose that, that uh, physical identity. And we're finding out that these kids, one of the big tipping points is the age of seven. Seven-year-old children are kind of making that, that fork in the road uh, that uh, Robert Frost talks about. And we want them to take the road that should be traveled, that road of being outdoors, being kids, playing, doing what they know how to do. Let me reintroduce our guest is Dr. Daniel O'Neill. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's a sports psychologist and the author of Survival of the Fit. Now, what I hear you saying, I hear it, but we have so many students that have 
their faces buried in books or really reading or really learning, diving into projects. I'm not convinced yet that um, that isn't a good thing uh, and that just because they're not doing some of the um, athletic things or the physical things that it's so bad. So convince me why that's the case. Well, you know, if they were diving into books and they were doing projects, if they were socializing, if they were doing science experiments, I would be much, much happier about that. But in point of fact, they're not. They're getting on social media when they're on the computers. Yeah, if they were you know, on the Khan Academy and learning stuff, that's one thing. But again, they go down to that rabbit hole, that rabbit hole of the two dimensions, and they're sick. If we look at the numbers, it's very clear. Illinois, when I was writing the book, they put out the number of $14 billion, that's billion with a B, that they were spending on obese children. And also we have to be careful of, you know, the children that, that are getting it. You know, the rich keep getting richer. And, and really, we're not talking about the prep school kids and the kids that have parents that are uh, super involved. So often we're talking about the kids that don't have the support, they don't have the socioeconomics, they don't have the green fields and and the ball games, and those are the kids that are really getting hurt by this. But even when you look at the suburban kids who are playing organized sports, 75% of them are stopping sports at the age of 15. And, and I'm not talking about organized sports here, though. I'm talking about getting outside and moving and playing like a young person is supposed to do and that a young person is hardwired to do. And if you can get that child outside, their academics are going to explode, that child who wants to be in the book. But you're right. There's, there's maybe 20% at most of, of kids who are just book people. You know, They're just not at all interested in that. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing now is 80% of our kids are not doing anything physical and they're not going to get a physical job when they get older because there are no physical jobs anymore. The farmers, you know, there are a tiny percent of the country. The loggers are a tiny percent. These kids are going to get sicker and sicker as they get older because they're just not doing anything from cradle to grave now. And it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. And it's happening right, right in front of us. We're here in Southern California, and myself and then my children and now my grandchildren, they are playing organized sports and community sports. This is a good thing from what I'm hearing you say, and, but you you're seem to be concerned about a certain population. Is there a certain population that isn't getting this opportunity? The majority. <laughs> the majority are not getting that opportunity. You know, again, 75% are done and dusted with organized sports by the time they're 15 years old. If you go to your high school basketball team or soccer team, I guarantee you in Southern California, a, a big population, I guarantee you all of those kids are playing that sport year-round. They are getting coaching. They are going to summer clinics. Right. In other words, a varsity high schooler, and that's in my community too, in rural communities in New Hampshire, a varsity high schooler cannot start on the varsity team without having some dedication to that sport, you know, other than that. In other words, it's not, it's the rare kid who shows up, plays soccer, 
or field hockey, then shows up and plays basketball, and then shows up and plays softball or baseball. That's the rare kid who's, who's starting on those teams in most high schools in America. But again, those are still the minority of kids because what happens is the kids are playing these sports and they're finding out, you know, they're not as good as these other kids. They have bad coaches. They have angry parents. They, have, they get frustrated. And what can they do? They can go onto the computer. They can start playing Call of Duty and nobody's bugging them. They have, don't have an adult hassling them. They're having fun. They're n- not worried about success. They're not worried about being embarrassed. They're not worried about their glasses getting knocked off. But this is, again, unacceptable because there's so many of our children out there, it doesn't have to be ball and stick sports, but if we have bicycles and we have you know, the, the ocean in California and mountains and, and all these other opportunities, and there are so many things for these types of sports, but, and I don't care what it is, I just want them outside. I want their physical identities strong and addicted to Mother Nature. And then when they graduate from high school at the age of 18, they should be able to do some squats, do some push-ups, not be obese, not have diabetes. And after that, things are going to go fine. But that's just not what's happening. And, And I think you also bring up a good point. You have to be very careful about where you live. Because even in my state, you go from one elementary school to another, and this elementary school doesn't have the big obesity problem, and others do. And if we go down south, of course, we know the obesity is much worse. And in certain communities, the, the obesity is much worse. But it's, it's just an absolutely horrible problem that we can actually do something about. Okay. I'm Lillian Vasquez, and this is Inland Edition on KVCR. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Daniel O'Neill, and we're discussing the issue of childhood obesity. Now, doctor, I want to ask you a little bit maybe about the foods. Physical activity is what you're pushing and suggesting, but are kids eating, you know, the wrong foods, more processed foods? Is that having an upscale in our diabetes or pre-diabetics and obesity rates? Without question, and that's the other big head of this monster, right? Um, the foods are, are, are awful and they're available. The other things that's changed in our lifetime is that it, in almost any town in America, there's a 24-hour convenience store where you can buy all this ultra-processed you know, food. And again, that didn't exist back in the day. And, and there's just so many changes. But one of the things I decided in the book was, I wanted to make this a positive. In other words, it's easy to say, okay, stop eating that or get off the computer or, you know, whatever else, you know, this just say no concept. Right. That just doesn't work. Right. You know, and, and for me to tell parents, you've got to fight with your kids every night and battle with them. That's not what I want to do. What I want to do is give them some some ways to battle this and the way to battle this or to not battle this as it were the answer to this problem is a positive and the positive is our primitive brains and our instincts and our physical identity what we're born with so the way to do it is not to let that physical identity lapse and if you maintain your physical identity if you maintain that that desire to to be with mother nature which again is in our hard wiring you don't have to say no 
the child is going to want to go outside. The child is actually going to want to get away from that refrigerator. The child is going to make better choices because their bodies are healthier, their brains are healthier, and they're going to be able to make better choices. And the only way, to my mind, that we can maintain physical identity in this world where billions and billions of dollars are being spent to convince our kids to be unhealthy, again, by Silicon Valley and by Ronald McDonald, the way to do that to maintain their physical identity is for at least 180 days a year during that school year, we get their heart rates up, we get them moving for 45 minutes, we get them playing for 45 minutes, every child, every day, every year of school. And then we really have got something. Now we're not fighting this with no's. The child is doing this. And the child is going to say on the weekends, hey, you know, what are we going to do this weekend? What, you know, hey, folks, do you want to do something fun? Do we want to go to the beach? Do we want to go for a hike? Do we want to go to the ball field? The child is going to do that because they've been doing it for five days a week. And that's now in their you know, that's one of their habits. That's one of the really positive habits uh, that we've made. So we can actually make a difference and maintain the physical identity through the school system. Well, you mean that's the goal that you would like, that if we're doing it at school, they'll carry it home into generalization of their home life and keep it going. That's, that's your goal. Tell me some of the long-term health impacts of childhood obesity. The big one we talk about is diabetes, and diabetes is an absolute horrible, horrible disease. And like so many other things, I think we almost are giving the medical system too much credit because we can take care of people with diabetes, and everybody has diabetes now. You know, every uncle over the age of 50 who's got a belly is, has type 2 diabetes, and and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the the type one diabetics, the children who get this um, and are insulin dependent at the age of four or five or six. We're talking about these type two diabetes that comes from obesity. And this is an absolutely horrible disease. And even though it's managed with tablets and 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 with insulin when need be, it's still doing incredible damage to your every part of your body because it's a blood vessel disease. And so you're not a healthy person if you have diabetes, and it's going to uh, lower your lifespan. And this generation, you know, has a shorter lifespan than my generation. It's absolutely extraordinary. And we're not just talking about the drugs and, and the COVID and some of these other diseases of despair, as, as they're talked about. We're talking about because they have diabetes, because they have asthma, because they have suicide, because of depression. This is what's, what's uh, hurting and killing our kids now as we speak. It's not happening down the road. It's happening right now. And the way to avoid diabetes is what you're suggesting, eating healthier and getting outdoors or getting some exercise, even indoors? Anything, anything, just getting moving, yeah. Uh, it's always better to get outdoors. And again, even in cities, you know, those are available. You know, I, I live uh, north of Boston, and there's lots of programs there, but absolutely it's just so important. I mean, we worry so much about our children learning history and doing well in math and this and that, but we're not worried about their health, and that's what's going to really make the impact. It's like the um, professional athletes. And to my mind, if you have a chance to be a professional athlete at the age of 20, you can always go back to college. 
And I feel like now our children can always learn geometry, but you know, when they're 15 or 18 or 22, but if we send them out of high school obese and with diabetes and with high blood pressure, that's the worst thing we can do for them. The physical education is the most important subject your children should be taking every day. The PE teacher is the first violin of the school. That is the most important person in your school. And it's up to them to get every child up and moving and having fun and not worrying about getting their glasses knocked off or not being able to hit the ball or whatever. There's so many ways, and we talk about it in my book, of having a PE program that's just fun, 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 and active and and gets the movement patterns and the healthy things that we want children to have. And it can be done. We have the knowledge. We have the means. We're just not doing it. We're just not making the move. And nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to take on, you know, the big agriculture and nobody wants to take on the big education systems and nobody wants to take on the sports industrial complexes because these are all things that are so entrenched and it, and, and so nobody wants to make these changes. The other major problem is the people in charge are all too old. Anything that you read about education that's more than 10 years old is useless mm. because everything has changed in the last decade. This computer has changed everything. These personal uh, phones have changed everything. COVID has changed everything. Nothing is the same. And so you can't, anything that you learned in your uh, education degree that's more than 10 years old is, is you know, obsolete. Well, I'm sure PE educators listening today are very pleased of what you have to say and supporting their probably thought process for many years. Dr. O'Neill, thank you so much for a little bit of information regarding childhood obesity and maybe the ways to combat it. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Lillian. Thank you for having me. Dr. Daniel O'Neill is an orthopedic surgeon, sports psychologist, and author of Survival of the Fit, How Physical Education Ensures Academic Achievement and a Healthy Life. You'll find more information about Dr. O'Neill at his website, survivalofthefit.net. We'll include a link on the Inland Edition program page when we post today's episode. Join us again next week for Inland Edition, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. and 6.30, right here on KVCR. To hear this episode and past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash Inland Edition. You can also listen to Inland Edition on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or search for Inland Edition on your favorite streaming service. Inland Edition is a production of KVCR News. Support for this production, including writing and editing, comes from Rick Dulock, Sharina Wad, and David Fleming. And we get technical website and social media support from Tim Steidel, Sean Houlihan, and Natasha Coles. I'm Lillian Vasquez. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>